Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello there, everybody, and welcome to the second episode of Previously on Succession, The Boardroom. Uh, as per last week, I'm joined by my two esteemed executives. We went for Jerry last week. Are, are you still happy to be the Jerry of the podcast, uh, Grace Dent? Hello, I am Grace Dent, and this week I'm identifying as a seven-foot fiberglass Trojan horse. You wanted to be called uh, Chris the Egg, so uh, it's Chris the Egg Mandel. How are you, sir? I'm good, yeah. I've brought my selection of heavily refrigerated cheeses with me, and I I'm looking forward to talking about the episode. Well, uh, while Grace is preening her Trojan horse and Chris is trying to get some, eke some flavour out of the cheese, I'll be sitting here with a, a packet of uh, 98% certainly unpoisoned donuts. Uh, and coming up in this episode, we will be speaking to Alan Ruck himself, uh, the majestic uh, Connor Roy. But let's get just let's just get straight into it. And by the way, yes, I have got a really bad throat. If you're thinking that I've been gargling razors, uh, first impressions, Grace Dent. Oh, you know, I obviously it's a tense episode, but I actually found this episode sad because for me, this was about the children. It was about a generation. It was about years and years of abuse by their father all of them with slightly different approaches and takes to the betrayals and abuse that they've had and you know it, it, it goes to show how wonderful the acting is because you know you saw roman all the way through he didn't have that much to say in this episode but there was just an intense pain behind his eyes at all times same for all the kids so i i likened this episode a bit to when they um they all went for psychotherapy you know when they went for the family <laughs> psychotherapy and you know you start to realize what a piece of work Logan has been over the well, years. You, you can't you know? be talking about Captain Cuddles, surely. <laughs> Captain Cuddles. That, that idea that he still loves to, you know, we're jumping ahead, but that that scene at the end when he stage manages them all, just looking looking like a happy family. And that happens. It happens in real life. You know, this isn't, this isn't an imaginary, factitious thing. We see families do this all the time in the media i think to anyone with brothers or sisters watching this episode it would have it would have hurt quite a lot there was a lot of there was a lot of recognizable trauma going on in 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 
that episode. Chris, what did you think? What was your overarching uh, take from it? Yeah, I absolutely loved it. It was such a, last week was such a scene setter and it was setting a lot of things up. And this episode, there was just so much tension. There was so many things coming up between the four uh, Roy children. And I sort of thought this would be the sort of confrontation we'd get in like three episodes time. I thought they'd eke it out. And it's so great that this is a show that on the second episode, they just have the big conversation and they all fall out. And yeah, it was so good. I thought, I mean, I've always been a con head. Just get that in now. But like, I thought okay. Connor was amazing. Like, yeah, he had a incredible, good um, like, it feels like the least rotten in the way that he went after um, Roman after he stormed out the room. But also Connor got like, like the succession equivalent of a Hollywood handshake. And he got an apology from Logan at the start of the episode, which no was that, one was that a, Was gets. that a proper apology, do you think? That that intrigued me. You know, Logan at the beginning of the episode was a broken man. He mm. kind of like, you know, you see, you see like the first time you realise your granddad's old is when you see, they see them kind of like flapping a little bit over something. And and it, you kind of think, oh my God, they're actually quite old. Yeah. And I thought that with Logan at the beginning where he's just like, just get me anyone. Do you not realise how serious this is? And all that kind of stuff. And then his, his kind of tone of voice when he got Connor on the phone was really weird. I think it was maybe because it was the first one of his kids he'd managed to actually mm. speak to. But Logan spent the entire episode doing what Logan does, which is, you know, dangling them all, playing them all, even though he's this old man, he's in an advanced state of panic and, and you know, his, his downfall is ahead, but he's still on the phone, second guessing where they all are and what he needs to say to all of them so that they won't betray him, you yeah. know? Uh, you know, going back to the trauma the kids have gone through, it was just more of the same, you know. And when you see them all sitting in a room together, these children, you realise that they don't know how to love, you know. They don't really know family love, cosiness, snuggliness, you know. Yeah. Their in-jokes are cruel. Their, <laughs> their names for each other go too far. It's, you know, the way that they, it, although it's lovely and we love them because they're our gang and we love them as the viewer, it's it's a horrible scene, you know, as a family. And maybe we've had Connor pegged all wrong because because actually he was the one that got Roman back in the room. He was the one that actually was a bit of a moral compass. And, and I, I felt that they actually listened to him for a bit. I thought Roman's, um, sorry, I thought Kendall's response to him inevitably siding with his old man at the end was a real kind of like just a, just a reactionary kind of, you're irrelevant, you're irrelevant, get out, get out, get out, was just a, a kind of younger brothery kind of thing to do. But up until that point, I thought Connor had a, had, had a lot of skin in the game. Yeah, he, he brought himself to that conversation in quite a big way, considering he doesn't want to be CEO of the company. He doesn't want to run any of it. And he, he wants $100 million to finance Willa's terrible play. And that's he's got a very easy price. He's quite easy to sort of have in that way. But I think the the big sort of clash was that Ken thought all of them wanted what he was, what he wanted, which was to get rid of Logan. And they're all kind of like, actually, we're in a pretty good position. Like, I think it was fascinating watching their ideals and their, their sort of, all of them come together because, you know, they're all brats and they're all awful people, but they have different wants and needs and they are motivated by different things. And I think we just got to see it all playing out. We saw why Shiv thought about defecting. We saw why, Roman was there. They all said that they were there to spy for Logan, but I think they all saw a bit of benefit in defecting. And then the fact that none of them did is like... I sense that they all were thinking about it because there was a reason for them all to think about it. You know, you, you took someone like Roman, 
you know, at the moment he's he is the closest in personality to Logan. You know, he's he's got that killer instinct about him. He's got a good business head as well. But you could see he he what a lot of the things that Kendall was saying was making sense, you know, about the future of media and, uh, you know, that's, you know, where they would take the company. And Roman has thought that in the past. I would say that the reason Roman didn't make the jump was because of Jerry, not because of his dad. Like he, obviously he loves Jerry a bit, you know, because she's like a mother and she's a bit of a lover and he kind of fancies her. But there's a loyalty. I think that he gets a sense of loyalty and love and, uh, you know, kind of legacy or whatever it is from Jerry that he, he doesn't get from anyone else. So I think that's why he stayed. I think there's a bit of hope there for him with Jerry as well. I think in terms of his role within the company, I kind of feel as though both Shiv and kind of Kendall would sideline him pretty quickly if, if they did kind of do it. Whereas Jerry does, I think, genuinely does see him as as a as a protege as an apprentice despite her panicking don't ever talk about my daughters yeah i thought he seemed very rejected when she was like don't bring that into this space like i think he almost wanted to be like i remembered you have daughters and she's like whoa whoa shut up and i thought god he seemed quite like he touched a hot stove when he was like oh but i'm trying to like bond with you a little bit or i'm trying to i took that as like i thought i just thought that jerry thinking he was he was getting a bit of a stiffy Oh well, there's maybe. I that think as he. Well. I think. I think she thought he was just heading down the other, the other Roman Jerry path. I think there's that, that as well. I mean, maybe. yeah. yeah. The making of this episode was quite intriguing. It was literally, you know, it was two, three sets at best. Uh, was this was this kind of like a one of those capsule episodes that you read about because of I don't think it'd be because of budget but probably because of COVID. It felt like a very bubble episode where there were there were different groups of actors in their bubbles. I mean, I'm going to guess yes by some of the things that I saw happen. Like when Sandy didn't appear, I kind of thought, well, that's because Sandy is an older actor. And if this happened during the heart of COVID, maybe they didn't want him on set. But regardless of what they were working with and what they did, uh, I mean, what what they had to do, where they had to keep them in bubbles, it really, really added to it. Because to me, this episode, if you think, it was first of you know we finished the last season and it's the press conference and then we have the whole day of, of the first episode the whole day of them all running around and they're all full of head they're full of energy and full of you know full of fight now this was when they're all just getting tired you know yeah. we're beginning to see the long dark night <laughs> of them all just trapped in rooms they're hungry they're living on saliva and uh you know even with um with Kendall, I thought it was fascinating how, I mean, I'm going to surmise that Kendall has been surviving on small lines of cocaine probably for the last 72 hours. You know, he's got that kind of yeah. look about him at the moment. Even that, you could see it was it was slipping from him by the end, you know. Yeah. They're all in this bubble, in this room. I love the fact with they're all in Rava's apartment and she's just gone. And no one's She's even asking her. where she is. It's so <laughs> out of order that they're in yeah. this they're in this flat. And more and more people keep arriving as well. I love the fact that there would be a knock on the door and someone would go, Oh, it's Ray. And then some kind of absolute piece of shit would walk in. Like he looked like a New York lawyer. <laughs> yeah. so, you, know, you know, and then it's the fact that 
people are hunkered down for this episode. They're kind yeah, of, yeah. it's yeah. fight till the death. So I, it, it added to it. It was, it was claustrophobic. When you got to the end of this episode, didn't you just need to walk away from the screen and have a cup of tea and open the, you know, open the windows? Yeah, a bit of fresh air. Yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you what, let's, let's head over and speak to Alan Rook, uh, the wonderful Connor. Uh, I spoke to him uh, the day after the premiere, so, uh, but we did talk about episode two uh, quite a lot. And I will edit out all of the times that I called him Cameron. Uh, that will that will not make the cut. Uh, so we'll see you in one second. Alan Rock, welcome. How the devil are you, sir? I'm well and nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Um, what a joy uh, this weekend must have been for you. The European premiere on Friday, which I was lucky enough to go to. You must have felt like One Direction. It was just crazy. How many people were there? Uh, 2,200 people. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was like... Yeah, it was like a, it was like a Bowie concert. <laughs> <laughs> it was well. Matthew McFadden said, "I shan't forget this night." Oh, that's and, good though, because yeah. I think as a as a fan and as like working in the media and stuff like that, you look at this and you just wonder: is this kind of does this does this mean anything? Does it? I mean, it must mean something that the show is a success. But nights like that, it's nice that they're special for you guys as well as they are for the audience. I think. Oh yeah, and you know, I I didn't get a chance to talk to Jesse afterwards, but I mean, you know, he's he's so successful and so celebrated but i i wanted to ask him if this was sort of the biggest thing that's ever happened for him that's a good question i think it probably is i remember and i was just saying to um to to joe smith cameron um Uh, yeah that i interviewed jesse a couple of weeks before episode one of season one aired and it was in a tiny little office, like someone had just moved like a chair out of the way in the corner of a room and they'd phone me up like the day before saying, we've got the show coming out. Would you like to speak to Jesse Armstrong about it? And I was like, yeah, sure, Jesse, of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And sat there and, and, and just that, and I listened back to it the other day and it was just, oh my God, he had no idea what he was unleashing on the world. And and no. like to go from that to, to Friday must yeah, yeah. and in a relatively short if you if you ignore COVID, yeah. you know, we're only two and a bit years in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I mean I mean season three happens minutes, literally minutes after the end of season two. I've always wondered this. Now I hope it's not giving away any trade secrets. No. Do you record a bit of it at the end of the, the previous filming so end of season two did you just carry on a bit or do you just literally start again from scratch because you know when it, i've always yeah. wondered when they do those pickups it's like have they just recorded that at the time so that everything was the same no it, i know like uh, like pictures like the back to the future pictures like i think they filmed uh two and three together or, yeah. or something like they did something like that uh I, and i know they do that from time to time but not us because um our writers work so hard they uh, they just they're tireless. Yeah. But, you know, after this past season, only nine episodes, but after 10 episodes, they're pretty well played out and they need some downtime to, to collect to, their thoughts. Yeah, to gather. Now, um, episode two has just aired in the UK and it was one of those episodes where you just, you had to really concentrate. You had to really, you were, you were listening to the words, but you're also trying to read the body language and judge other people's body language as well they were kind of like basically two set pieces what are those episodes called where i think breaking bad had the fly episode almost like capsule episodes where it's just like where it felt very claustrophobic um and it was brilliant seeing the brothers and sister kind of like holed up in a kid's bedroom (laughs) battling it out yeah 
to any brother and sister, they've all been there, whether it's talking about who gets to go out with dad that weekend or whether or not who, yeah, who yeah, gets yeah. to take who, over the company. Who gets that room. Yeah, right, exa- right, right. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that must have been quite a, just a good meaty piece of script to get your teeth into. Yeah. I mean, uh, for whatever reason, we just we just fell into each other. There, uh, so many times when you, you work on a show, you have to sort of create instant relationships with people and um and sometimes it works and sometimes it really doesn't (laughs) and and um we've just been very fortunate that we've just we're sort of in each other's pocket yeah you know and um you don't doubt you know you just you don't doubt that that I'm the older brother that nobody pays attention to and and that and that Kendall is the overbearing um slightly daft uh uh you know uh he seems to be a lot dafter this season he seems to be leaning into that kind of he's gone almost the, he's almost gone adhd the, kind of manic episode he's kind of like yeah he, he's he's gone around the bend and i think he's he's drunk with his power but i don't think he actually has a plan you know that's what and i think that for, as a viewer it got, you watched the season two finale. You were just like, oh my God, he had it all in the blag. He knew what was coming. Greg the Egg kind of just sealed the deal for him. And then at the, the start of season three, it's just like, oh my God, he was winging it. <laughs> yeah. Well, what do they say about revolutionaries? That They're great at change, but not so good at organization. <laughs> but anyway, we, we just, we, it didn't take any time at all for us to just accept each other as, as uh, brothers and sister. Yeah. And, Connor's dynamic is absolutely fascinating. It's like out of all, out of out of the four of you, you know, his is the is the I, th- I think still the one that's least we know least about. We don't know much about um, about the first marriage so much. We don't really we don't really know whether Connor is self aware. I think. Well, is, is really uh, um, interesting. the hints that that Jesse's given us is is that uh, uh, the divorce between Logan and Connor's mother probably happened when Connor was about eight years old. So he was old enough to know that his dad was pretty special yeah. and that when he went out with his dad, doors opened up and people bowed down and things got done and he knew he was a little prince and then the divorce happened and then he didn't see his father for years yeah and then we also know that uh connor's mother uh suffered from some some uh mental challenges and from some uh, uh addiction problems and so forth and she was in and out of institutions so we know that connor or we can surmise that connor did not have the happiest of childhoods no exactly right boarding school or living with a sick mother um and then i think from early on i think connor um built a fantasy world for himself and he just never left and he never had to because he's never had to work but now that he's in his mid-50s he realizes that something's missing in his life and it's the fact that nobody needs him that's really sad isn't it what is no he is not needed anywhere by anyone and now he has this lovely girlfriend it's a transactional relationship 
And, you know, he met this wonderful girl and she needed money and he needed a girlfriend. And he's like, this is great. Yeah. He fell in love with her. She has mixed feelings. <laughs> you know? If the reviews have been good, I suspect she, she would not still be with him. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, um, um, but uh, I, I do think she is developing some measure of feeling for him. I think she feels a bit, she, she feels a little bit, I, we see Protective. glimmers of it, uh, a bit, bit of protection. Yeah. Where she clearly, you know, there's an moment on the runway in season one where Logan is divvying out the tasks and basically yours is just like, don't yeah, no, talk I'm, to I'm, anyone, I'm, don't yeah. touch anything, <laughs> just stand yeah, still. Yeah, yeah, you know, but she's she's the one that's like, what about Connor? And uh, where I would just be like, well, this is just business as usual. I'm the one that's forgotten about. You yeah. Know? Um, but yeah, she's she's much more protective this season. And um, but uh, uh, you know, Connor is delusional. He's he's he suffers. He's he's got some stuff that's that's uh, rooted down in a really really unhappy child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in but with all of that, he also understands that you know there's he has some say you know there's a there's a, in episode two that we've just watched you know the second that he decides i can't do that to dad uh kendall turns on him and calls him irrelevant um yeah. and that's not strictly true because you know you kind of still carries as much weight regardless of what shiv right. and kendall and, and right. roman kind yeah. of do in the boardroom you've still got the vote man and i still own a lot of stock yeah exactly yeah well, in that particular instance, I was irrelevant to Kendall's plan. So, and since Kendall's plan in Kendall's mind is the only thing that matters, yeah. then I was irrelevant. But it was also quite, there was, there was a really touching moment, which was entirely off camera, where you went and retrieved Roman, where Connor, where right. Connor went and retrieved Roman. I found that to be a little, really subtle dynamic where the older brother was still able to go out to the baby and put his arm around him and right. bring him back into the room. Well, it's funny, you know, I mean, Siobhan has got some serious issues of her own. She's a sex addict. I mean, she can't help it. She's, she desperately needs Tom. She loves Tom. There's no doubt about it. If she wasn't the daughter of a billionaire, he would never have married her because no. she's just got a lot of baggage. Yeah. And, you know, she's she's got this, she's got some issues. Mm. But, you know, um, I think maybe Roman every now and then says something nasty about uh, uh, Shiv's behavior. I think maybe um, in the past, uh, Kendall has said some nasty stuff about... Um, Siobhan's behavior, but Connor never has. No. He is a sociopath. He has no idea. I mean, he wants to be the president for crying well, out Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, so he can't be that nice. So, <laughs> But he has no idea of how the real world works because he's never, you know, he's just gone from limousine to helicopter to, you know, country home to, you know, vacation resort. He thinks the world smells of fresh paint. Yeah, yes, that's it. One thing I love about the writing is that every character has a fully developed and concurrently running subplot. In my, my prediction that I'm going to make is that this season, Connor really grows a pair and gnashes his fangs a little bit. Would that be maybe a fair assumption? We, we could... We could say that that might we could happen. Surmise, we could surmise <laughs> that there's every possibility that, of that. That, that. There's a definite possibility of that. Because that would just take everyone by surprise. Because I think everyone just takes... Connor completely for granted. Absolutely, yeah. 
Amazing. And he's just he's dismissible. What a character to be able to play. I mean, these are definitely the best writers I've ever ever worked with. I've been around a long time, but these are definitely the best writers I've worked with. And what's true is Jesse's bench is so deep. They are all celebrated screenwriters and playwrights. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. in their own right. And and Jesse said something the other day. He said, all my, all my writers are being offered their, their own shows. He said, I hope I can hang on to them. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, though. What a testament wow, to the selection yeah. process. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, that they're, I, I know that they love working together. I know that they're thrilled to be on a show like this. And HBO is fantastic because they hire smart people yeah. to do the job. And they have opinions about things, but they don't interfere. They yeah. don't, you know, micromanage. Well, A's higher A's, B's higher C's, right? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> this is another good one. <laughs> um, now, as someone who, uh, who first came into our collective consciousness as, as the fucked up son of a rich man, uh, how, do you, how do you feel now that Cameron's got an equal, uh, a, a, an equal name to be shouted at across the street? I think we need a DB5. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you need a car to fuck yeah, over. Come on. <laughs> Alan, thank you so much. We cannot wait to see what happens. Thank you so much. Really pleasure talking to you. He looks great. And I'll tell you what, he smelled fantastic. You know, and you know, some, you know, you can just, I've, I've interviewed quite a lot of celebrities. Quite a lot of them stink quite badly, but Alan Rook was not one of them. He just smelt money. Yeah. He just smelt like class. You know, the kind of where you go to Liberty yes. and you can head straight, you can head straight for the Tom Ford one or the Lilabo one if you think you're being a bit edgy. But there's always those ones that, that never even get talked about. Mm. The, the the proper money uh, fragrances in Liberty. That's what he smelt of. Oh my God. Is there a step up after Lilabo? Yeah, I think Lilabo's a bit, I'm going to have to walk into my downstairs toilet and remove my Labo soap now. No, just, no, no. Keep this it, is the sound of it. me hoying it literally across the street. <laughs> no, no, but it's, it's fine for the likes of mere mortals like us. Mm. But that's what I'm fascinated. I love the fact that they have they have the rich um, person on set, don't they? Have you read about that? They yeah. have the, the rich advisor, oh. the billionaire advisor, who says to them, actually, billionaires never wear coats so they had to like in the first season they're all like wearing jackets and coats and taking coats off and this guy was just like what are you doing they don't wear coats they never go outside that's amazing i did not know about yeah that. yeah so there's someone there's like it's like a, you know like game of thrones there was like a sword advisor and that kind yeah. of, um, like on a, succession, smith, a smithy sort yeah. of person and on about, succession yeah. there's someone who advises them how to be rich I love the idea that someone who is v versed in the ways of billionaires is looking for work. Yeah, exactly. Didn't quite, didn't quite make the cut. But even as much as like, it's like, I guess Logan, he doesn't have his own phone, does he? And he, he just holds his hand out and then Hugo appears with a phone and then he holds the phone out and then Hugo just appears to remove the phone. I love those little kind of nuances that, mm. that, that you get. I loved last week when Rava opened the door and uh, Kendall walked in and Rava looked over his shoulders and he said, I'm going to bring these guys in. And she just said, have they all been vetted? And it was the first time it was just one little line, but it suddenly made me realize she's part of that family now and she can't yeah, go yeah. anywhere. You know, yeah, she is under, she may well have divorced him or they're divorcing, but she's under 24 hour surveillance for the rest of her life because she's a kidnap threat. And I thought, yeah. oh, that line was so clever, you know, just How thrilling to be a kidnap threat as well. Mm. Thrilling. Wow. Every, anyway, every cinema trip, every cinema trip, a frisson of danger. 
one thing that we touched upon last week, Chris, was I guess the I guess the overuse or the certainly kind of like hammering home Greg, cousin Greg as being the the comedy character, the kind of I guess the pratfall of of the show. It moved. It went some way to kind of remove from that, um, but not not completely. Almost all of the funny moments in this episode came from Greg again, didn't they? Really? Yeah, but I thought it was such a great um, a great episode for him because what we talked about last week was that he didn't really have any role in the immediate aftermath of the press conference. But here we've seen him first of all looking out for himself, which is great but also getting roped into someone else's machinations, which is, you know, Uncle Ewan wants to dismantle capitalism via uh, the medium of Cousin Greg. Poor thing. Um, having that, first of all, having Jerry send a lawyer to the the house and him saying, have I hired you or have you hired me? Like, what yeah. does this work? That was quite and telling. He, his... he actually, he was not as daft as he looked. No, and I think I think that's the f- most fascinating thing about him is when they they play, he plays against that a bit and he clearly is smarter. I mean, it... it there was one bit where he got his friend who was a first year at law school saying, should I text my professor for some advice? <laughs> I thought that was incredible. Yeah. But I think the, he's clearly not as stupid as they sometimes uh, make him out to be. And I think, you know, it was only a couple of episodes that ago that his grandfather was like, I'm going to cut you off. And he's kind of gone back and allied with him. And But Ewan has always stood by Logan at the end of the day like he's actually not as he's not yeah, an, yes. an outside threat and I actually think in some ways Greg is going to wind up on Logan's side am I right in thinking I'm just presuming that, that Ewan all Ewan's money is is from Logan I, I think it is yeah I think that's, it that's is. right and isn't it that, there's not like he's, yeah. not, he's not made his money elsewhere just by chance he's no, he, no for, for all his protestations position, against he's Logan the, he's, he's he's still on the payroll isn't he yeah, and I think that's down to pay, mainly Logan's sort of insistence on keeping family close meant that his brother's begrudgingly like a trustee and has sort of become like a multimillionaire. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's where a lot of their resentment comes from, that he owes his life to his brother and he hates what that money has enabled him to do. But yeah, I thought Greg was much better just by virtue of doing his own thing. But also, you know, Kendall's just started this uh, very intensive audit with his lawyer. We saw at the end of the episode, he finally resisted and went in for his eight-hour session. I mean, these papers that we've talked about already, those have got to come up in a slightly more granular detail. So that I'm looking forward to that because I think these, these papers have got to sort of, it's like use it or lose it. One of my favourite parts of this week was when Kendall sat them down in that room and said, but we all knew, didn't we? We all knew. Yeah. And I thought that was so powerful. And he was talking about the, uh, you know, the wolf pack and Uncle Mo and what was yeah. going on in the on the on the cruise ships and the, you know, the dancers that were promised Hollywood jobs, but you know, whatever happened. And then I thought that was it was so telling about families and what families kind of pretend they didn't know and what they actually did know. And this could have been any family except obviously it's the Roy's. So it's a massive scandal. They're trying to they're trying to hush up. And it was it was the fact he they also well, I didn't know. And he said, Yes, we did. And it was so important for the plot. He said, Yes, we did. It was and it, and this also linked back to that funeral they all went to when um yeah. when Uncle Mo died. Because I, oh, at yeah. the time when that scene was added in, I thought, why are we going to the funeral of this guy who 
who, who nobody really cares about or knows. And what, oh, well, okay, it's, it's setting you up for a joke that he was called Mo, but he was called Mo Lester. Well, that came back with a vengeance this time because yeah, yeah. this is a joke that they all know, you know? And yeah. and if you think that um, that journalist has been buzzing around all the time, hasn't she? She showed up at that funeral. So she knows yeah. all about this yeah. as well. But I found it fascinating for Kendall to say, no, Shiv, you did know. You may be a kind of arch feminist that hangs around and does all these humanitarian things well, but you knew and Roman knew, you know, and you all knew. Right, you two are both esteemed journalists. Um, Grace Dent, what does epiphenomenal mean? Epiphenomenal, I would say it means that it's all over uh, uh, does it mean it's all over the internet it's all over everywhere so it's a phenomenon it's a phenomenon but it's it's everywhere um no it means <sighs> that uh it's a secondary effect or byproduct and that's what he called that's what he called i think that's what he called connor wasn't it he called connor the first pancake that was what he said in a, in a previous <laughs> what a great insult um chris mandel uh Meretricious. Oh, well, I feel like I'm on Dictionary Corner here. I know, but uh, I, I, I'm intrigued. Mer- meretricious, that's what Ewan said about the press conference, yeah, right? Yeah. So I think it means... He said it as part of uh, said histrionic and meretricious uh, family. Does it mean member. a bit like a bit grandstandy? Yeah, kind of. I'll take that. I'll take, I'll take that for okay. one. Uh, it's apparently attractive, but having no real value. Jamie, ask me another because I want to prove that I'm just not, I'm not just a set of teats. <laughs> <laughs> that was, did you not just find that just the, just the most delicious kind of <laughs> word of all the, I mean, he could have said any word then. He could breasts, kind of like, you know, mammaries, <laughs> but teats. It just—it was just so I, farmyard. I think it was so wonderful as an example of the wheels beginning to come off. By the way, my my lust for Stewie continues. I just love him. <laughs> I love him. He's such a wrongen, and wow. but I I kind of believe in him. I believe. He looks like he smokes m- menthol cigarettes. Yeah, <laughs> it's just he—he <laughs> he clearly has millions and millions if not billions of pounds he loves spending it he would kill he he, <laughs> he loves he just i just love everything about it every time he turns up to me he's like lord flashheart turning up in blackadder you know <laughs> That's a good analogy. it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. he's just like hey i'm here <laughs> You know, like the first episodes we ever saw him in where they're in a coffee shop and he's going, let's go in the toilet and have a little something, something. And he wants, um, (laughs) he wants a cookie or something. And in the end, he just reaches over the counter and gets it himself. And I thought that is perfect. That's Stewie. That's, that's the measure of him. Okay. We'll say the best till last. Let's wheel in the arrival of Marsha, which was just utterly phenomenal. Uh, if anyone was going to play Logan like a fiddle, it was Marsha. And she, it was just, it was a beautiful moment. What did you think, Chris? What, what was your take on I loved it because I thought actually like the way that Marsha sort of disappeared at the end of the last season was not like, I don't think it was handled that well. And even the, has Logan been sleeping with Raya um, kind of thing? Like I didn't really think they, they 
you know, I understand that we don't always get to see a lot of what goes on with Logan behind the scenes. We get a lot of the bluster, but yeah, I was disappointed to not really know where Marsha was towards the end of the season. So I thought having her back and getting her in there, getting her made up with Logan and sort of back on his team for a hefty fee was great. I also did think I was shocked at how business-like it was, but maybe this is the thing, like she is the ultimate player here because she can straighten his lapel and she can be tender with him once her scary French lawyer, Celine, stepped in and got the price on the table. And, you know, it was great to have her back. And I think one of the things that maybe last episode lacked was there's always a lot of people having their own sort of battles and, and crises on the show. And I think having Connor's problem with his wine cellar, Marsha clearly getting her family on the board and doing her own thing. It's just great to see that slightly more three-dimensional side. Last week was just like the immediate aftermath. So loved having her back, but just really intrigued because like still not quite sure we've really seen enough about uh, of her to sort of really know what she's about. The opening you know? line, those fucking kids of yours, was just, the writing, her writing was 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 just so spot on, I thought. So to me, Marsha was a masterclass in how you deal with your partner um, getting his head turned by someone else and humiliating you and then deciding he wants you back. So you turn up, you look fantastic, you walk up to them um, and then you just take a left and walk off. <laughs> Leave them with the lawyer. Did you also notice um, they mentioned, Logan and Marsha mentioned blackmail? And I actually missed it at first. Yeah, Marsha planted the seed, I guess in our minds, but also it was it was rebuffed by, um, by Logan. She actually said, you know, don't forget that we have, you've got an ace up your sleeve. To which Logan kind of, um, to summarise, kind of said, he said, I have, but it would take me down as well, mm-hmm. is, what he, is, is, is what he insisted. But it's not over for the for, for Killer Kendall, is it? It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's going to be hanging around. I mean, it's got to come out. Come on. I mean, I know that well, it would, it would take, it could potentially take Logan down as well. But I think that, I think that, I mean, Logan's the one with all the details and all the cards on that anyway. He set it all up and he could probably make it all go away from his side while looking like yeah. it was all his son. So I I think we're going to get that about episode seven, surely. Okay, well, this 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 leads mm. us on to, I guess, our closer again for, um, for, for the episode two of The Boardroom is what's the final scene of episode nine going to be, uh, Grace Dent? Are you changing from from your your guest last week well i want to think that jerry gets her own private island in the philippines for a start (laughs) (laughs) she was talking about that's what roman said she was looking into um kendall do you know there was a line this week when kendall said i feel cleansed and i loved it and i thought i think that it'll carry him a long way because what goes back to your your the baptism analogy that you yeah yeah. and i thought Kendall is the one out of all of them who has just kind of lifted himself up out of um, out of the emotional, you know, handcuffs that they're all in. He seems to have got. So I do think he's going to get through. I think, look, I keep thinking, and I know that it's not particularly good for the drama. How has Logan not died of a heart attack yet? How is he not just lay down with another brain bleed? You know, uh, I keep thinking it can't be him. It, it can't finish with him being in charge 
Chris, are you are you are you, are you switching allegiances? So well? yeah, kind of. I actually thought I've been thinking about Logan's health as well, and you know we've been sort of talking about what's going to happen with this drama, assuming that there's two people fighting, and I just especially after watching him eat that very salty sort of ham salad in the hotel to this week, I was like, okay, what if they finally break bread privately? Logan collapses, heart attack, fade to black. See you in 18 months. Wow. Well, well the just the two of them in the room kind of thing. Well, a bit like when Alan Partridge was trying to get the, the second series signed by the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's basically a, a shot-for-shot remake at that point. Of... <laughs> there has to be. A... Um, but yeah. There has to be. Surely. Well, it depends whether you think that... It depends. Well, it's either, I mean, it's either going to be Kendall and Logan or it's something to do with the revelation of these papers, which, which you know, which mm. no one... I'm, I'm not... Bear in mind, I'm not entirely sure that even Kendall's read these papers yet. No, and I'm frustrated at how light they are on details, but... There's a lot of trust here in Greg to have grabbed some important shit out of that fire yeah. at, at the end. if Imagine if he got, you know, it's like, here are the papers, and it was just like the, I don't know, the appendix, you know, with just like, just a load of email addresses. It's just an invoice for the bleach yeah. they use in the toilets on oh, the cruise dear. ships. But I'm, I'm still going for, and I think it's even more intriguing with, with Ewan, uh, I think Greg's going to find himself up to his eyeballs in uh, shit from Ewan. Mm. This that lawyer that Ewan's got involved is just going to go completely do lally. He's going to go proper kind of like Assange esque in the courtroom with them all and start throwing a load of crap everywhere. I think Logan's in on. I think Logan knows about that Greg's being taken care of because you know he was kind of asking where everyone was this episode, right? Logan was like, and he doesn't seem that concerned about Greg's whereabouts. Tom said otherwise on the yeah. phone. I think Logan is like, my, my brother's handling Fine. this. We'll, we'll, Interesting. Hey, we need to talk about the donuts. Oh, yes. Because so, I know that they were yeah. just donuts and it was very funny, the whole relevant donuts and irrelevant donuts. But yeah. those donuts did completely change the temperature of the room didn't they well they, they, they had an actual trojan horse that made no difference whatsoever <laughs> yeah. and then a box of donuts masquerading as a trojan horse terrified a lot of them what's interesting is that the, the trojan horse which looked really expensive had no impact on kendall's mental health psyche it didn't freak him out and yet a box of 12 dollar donuts from up the road completely undid them all i love the way they all just walk past that horse because to me i mean obviously if i sent a trojan horse to your house you'd look inside it wouldn't you yeah yeah you don't even get to see what's inside that was what's so brilliant about it we've got to go now but we've barely left any time to talk about the uh the the tragedy romance of, of shiv and tom the, the again where there was another moment with the pair of them where shiv is declaring her love and tom begrudgingly accepts it i thought it was really telling it's, I, think I think she it's she over. really needs him back on side she really needs him back on side yeah yeah i'd say that relationship is completely over i think that they've had the wedding and that was something to focus on because they couldn't get they couldn't get out of it really could they there's people coming no. in from everywhere and uh and now i think they'll end up on sec- on opposite sides yeah. fighting to the death against 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. See each other. What I would love, just to throw a spanner in the works for that, because I think that sounds brilliant, is shock pregnancy. I mean, I don't get the impression they've had sex for a while, but that would really... That'd be great. Well, if she's pregnant, it's probably not his. It's going to be your man, your man who looked a bit like Paul Rudd. Yeah. From Willa's play. Yes. All comes back to Sands in the end. You're obsessed with Sands, aren't you? (laughs) Listen, Grace, Chris, thank you so, so much. Uh, Exciting times. Season uh, three, episode three airs next Monday, and we'll be there right alongside you for it. Thanks for listening to Previously on Succession, The Boardroom. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks to Grace and thanks to Chris. We'll see you next week for episode three. Don't forget, it really helps when you like and subscribe and follow or do any of those things or all of them. All of them. Do all of them. Yeah, do all of them, damn it. Previously on Succession is a Daft Doris production.